Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Sammy Fishbein. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And for those of you who are just tuning in, the Betches Sup Podcast is usually your weekly rundown of all the crazy shit that's happened in the news explained by your two funniest friends, but today it's, it's three, three funniest friends. <laughs> But that's going to be different this week uh, because this episode was pre-recorded. Yes. Right now we're all on vacation. Mm -hmm. If you're listening to this, we are on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. So fuck the news. (laughs) I have taken Twitter off of my phone. Yes. BBC News has been deleted as well. Mm -hmm. I specifically got... BBC, very fair and balanced. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just try and get, you know the fact mm-hmm. i specifically got a hotel in berlin because that's where i am thank you um <laughs> uh, that makes you pay for wi-fi so i'm like gonna try to not be on wi-fi so you're like capitalizing on your own frugality yes much. exactly usually we read the news so you don't have to but this week you're on your own <laughs> read the Actually, news yourself well, we, we did read a lot of news in preparation for this yes. it wasn't just it, it's not topical news yes this okay so what we're doing in this episode is we're basically doing an episode that's kind of themed how the fuck do we get here mm-hmm. meaning like how do we get into this position in america and it didn't just pop up like donald trump didn't just like meet vladimir putin yesterday <laughs> no this has been going on for a long time so and i think a lot of times when we report the news weekly it gets lost yes like, what, yeah. the reasons for things the background behind why they happen gets a little bit lost and we can't really explain it in that much depth every week so because we're away um, we're going to just we're pre-recording an episode that basically is running through the past like 50-ish years yes, <laughs> yes it's a two-parter um, each of us picked topics that are uh, near and dear to our hearts or our nightmares depending yeah. on <laughs> the, we picked the thing that keeps us up at night yes uh, and we're gonna give you guys a little background on sort of each of these topics um, we're gonna chat about them even this isn't comprehensive no. Every single one of these topics that we picked could be its own yes. full hour-long episode. Yes. Um, but yeah, I guess this sort of... We're going to call this episode, How the Fuck Did We Get Here? Yeah. But it also alternately could be titled, like, All of Our Nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, re- researching this was was very painful. Yes. yes. But I think recording it's going to be, like, a little bit of, like, therapy. Like, we talk well, about our yeah. childhoods. Yeah. I always feel a little cathartic <laughs> after we record, especially when something, like, terrible has happened. I'm like, oh, I feel less stress about it but yeah. you know it's like obviously still terrible it's like yeah it's therapy also you know sometimes this, we're gonna be kicking it back to the 90s <laughs> i love i love thinking about even the 90s earlier. even yeah. earlier really yeah i mean we could we start with the first section because that's what starts you know yes this so this first section which sammy researched for us yes is called dirty money dirty money yeah so mm-hmm. bernie bros pay attention mm-hmm. this is for you yeah. <laughs> yeah okay so i mean right now america is obviously fucked we're, yeah. at a, we're, at a, we're in a situation where essentially all government and business and the economy is both controlled by and used to service those who are in the most economically powerful position mm-hmm. aka if the one percent yes. yes even even some, something that i got from doing this research is that it's not just the divide between like the normal people and the one percent the point one percent is yes. actually even much mm-hmm. more wealthy and well off and just essentially in control than the one percent itself yeah Yeah, it's even like it's even smaller of an amount of people Mm -hmm. yeah and more and they have like an insane amount more than everyone else even in the one percent so why is this a problem 
if you're Bernie Sanders, the problem. <laughs> Bernie, yeah. we are speaking yeah. directly to yeah. you. So, I mean, the, the problem is that when you get such disproportionate wealth, you, you the fundamental idea that people are created equal gets called into question because those people are able to use their money and influence to make their votes count more, whether that means pouring money into the Supreme into, uh, behind candidates or behind mm -hmm. a cause or being able to fund organizations that can then influence our government like through the Supreme Court or getting the right people it elected who are going to gerrymander local districts that can then like fuck you over in shady ways that you don't even that don't even get a lot of airtime. Yes. So basically over the past 30 years I would say since like my research has told me since around like this the 70s income inequality has been just going like insane. So let's let's go even before that. So from the 1940s to the 1970s, income income generally across all wealth brackets and income brackets grew at the same rate and pretty much equally for for most people up through the 70s. And the income gap didn't grow a lot during that period. But mm -hmm. since then, it's been skyrocketing mm -hmm. like to crazy amounts. Um, so since the 1950s, the top 1% of America's income earners have more than doubled their share of the nation's income. Oof, uh, so they're wow. like, pretty rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and in 2016, the top 1%, so just to give a sense of how much more of the money that is out there that they have, mm -hmm. in 2016, the top 1% received 25% of all income. So 1% of people got a quarter of all of the income that anyone made in America. That is so and crazy. So that, that's just income. That's like paychecks pretty mm -hmm. much. But when it comes to wealth, which is like the amount of assets you have and like land or money or, you know, what you have in the bank, pretty much mm -hmm. the top 1% of wealth distribution held almost 40% of all wealth. So that's like almost half. So yeah, almost wow. all, almost half of the wealth in America is owned by 1% of people as of 2016. Okay. <laughs> Pay off the student loans. I, I know. <laughs> what's wrong with you people? I, it's What's scary is that like at that level, what the fuck do you even do with all that no, money? I, I don't know. Yeah. Have you seen that there's like a new show out called Paid Off where like people compete to have their student loans paid off? Oh. And it's like a game show. That's a game show. Yeah, that's like I think like I think the show like is it like cheeky about like knowing what it is, but <laughs> it's still crazy. It's crazy that that can exist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, okay, so now that's that's just even talking about people who are educated. So when it comes to like people, if you have an education, you're much more likely to get into, you're, you're much less likely to be fucked, let's say. Yeah. But at the same time, because the, the economy is globalizing and many, you know, all the factors related to that. So unions are dying and blue collar industries are dying. So coal, manufacturing, all these jobs that Trump promised people would come back. Those are not going to come back. Mm -mm. No. And those are the people who are really get angry. Yeah. Um, so these people get angry about losing their jobs and it creates sort of this like vacuum in which you can have like a demagogue like a Trump or the mm -hmm. Tea Party to come in and basically capitalize on these people's like economic distress. Yes. Um, yeah, because I feel like it's so much easier for someone to come in and be like, you know, the cliche like Mexicans are taking your jobs. It's so much easier yes. to say that and make someone feel better than it is to be like, 
global trends are such that your job is now obsolete and we need to retrain you in another job like that is so much for like the person to process individually it's so much easier to just be like no like this guy took your job and if we get rid of this guy then your job is going to come back you see all these like populist movements and nationalist movements like establishing others and then blaming it on said other Mm -hmm. like it's like you know in all situations like you know Hitler with the Jews and yeah. Trump with the Mexicans. Yeah, it's I like, mean, what's it, happening it's now? the same. Here's the yeah. thing: it works if yeah. you're willing to go that low. Yeah. yeah, it works. And like in both situations, there are were clear economic hardships for both people. Like the German people post World War One, you know, were in economic hardships, and we were in one of the greatest recessions since the Great Depression. So yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So who are the people who are winning in this economic situation? And I mean, as Democrats, we know that the Republicans like to demonize like George Soros and all those people. And Tom who has not sent me my check. And I, I contacted HR. I don't know what's going on. I've sent them my direct deposit information. Been well over 30 days is all I'm going to say. Maybe he pays on net 120. You don't know. Um. Well, you know what? It's the law in New York that you have to pay. Net 30. So, so really? yeah. So George Soros needs to get on that this is insane okay yeah <laughs> but okay so if it's not george soros on the other side you have the people who we demonize mm-hmm. which is the Koch brothers sheldon adelson yeah. edelson and the mercer family mm-hmm. who are sort of like the evil trifecta of republican donors yes and i'll be honest before i did all this research i sort of thought that like they all were the same and I mean, they they all essentially, in my mind, still are the same. But to them, they have actually very different competing agendas. Um, and they're essentially the people who are funding the Republican Party. But, but for them personally, it's more of like a competition of who can get their interests advanced the most. Do you remember during 2016, there was like rumblings that the Koch brothers like weren't going to give Trump any money? Yeah. And like... I'm sure you well, know more about this. So, I mean, they did give him money, yeah. but they weren't his major funder. The Mercers mm-hmm. were actually his major funder. Wow. So, okay, I mean, I'll, I'm going to lay out, like, what the differences are between the three. So, the, the Cokes are basically credited with the rise of the Tea Party and Paul Ryan. Mm-hmm. He's, like, their little butt boy. Good job. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, their thing is, so, their thing is basically, like, funding, like, libertarian think tanks because they want to get regulations repealed because that helps their industries, which are basically, like, based on using fossil fuels and yeah. that sort of thing. So, they're kind of, like, your typical... In, in industry Republicans who are actually trying to create a populist movement, despite the fact that it's against it. That, that's what's in their interest. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then you have Sheldon Adelson, whose main cause is Israel and also stopping online gambling. <laughs> so, he cares, okay. so, he, okay. so he cares about like the Jerusalem embassy being moved and like no online gambling because Wait, he's a gambling magnate. Did, did you just see that apparently the, the, the move and the new, <laughs> Embassy is going to cost 80 times more than they originally said. Sorry, what? I just read the Why? story. Yeah, I don't know. Why is it going to cost like anything? Like, just get a movie truck. Well, I'm sure like Trump wants to put like a bunch of gold plated shit everywhere. Yeah, like, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, when you say gold plated shit, I'm literally picturing a gold plated shit. Well, I'm sure he would gold plate his own shit if he could. Yeah, I mean, oh didn't he God. have a gold toilet? Yes. yes. Okay. That has been confirmed. So, yeah. Yeah. So, the Adelsons, though, are generally more moderate in terms of the candidates that they support because they're kind of like, you're, st- they're like what I, I think what you picture when you're like the class 
classic Republican, mm-hmm. Republican classic, mm-hmm. you know. And <laughs> so, um, but they do stand Mitch McConnell, which I find to be unforgivable. Yeah. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Mercers. I hate Mitch McConnell stands. You may like name. the Mercers for like one second because they hate Mitch McConnell. Oh. Okay. But the only reason they hate Mitch McConnell is because he's not evil enough for them. Oh. Like, okay. they're, they're, so they're like, a li- they're even more extreme and they were the people who fund Breitbart and also financially backed the Trump administration. Gorgeous. So okay. their money is probably going the to Mercers Russia. That, yeah. The Mercers. So all these people are basically these are the, this is the point 0.1% even maybe like the point zero zero one percent and they have a disproportionate amount of money uh, due to these global economic trends and what they basically are able to do is take their money and then funnel more money into politics to then fix fix the system so that they can then pay less taxes do better in their business by decreasing regulations and selling MAGA hats so that's pretty much what you have going on mm-hmm. with with so that this is where you're getting all the money from to basically like funds all of what the Republican Party has been doing strategically. Um, and one thing I wanted to get into was what are their causes? Oh. Um, so their biggest causes are the NRA and fucking over healthcare and funding um funding basically like the court system to mm-hmm. be in their favor but mm-hmm. Alicia will get into yes. that in the next section yes, so yes. the NRA the NRA is an interesting case so prior to 2010 they used to pretty much equally or fairly equally it was about like 60-40 back Republicans and Democrats mm-hmm. but now they're pretty much backing exclusively Republicans mm-hmm. um, and they essentially back the entire Republican party I think 98% of the House candidates that they donated to were Republican and while we think we would assume that they, they use money a little differently than let's say like Big Pharma does yes. so they don't use their money to necessarily like back the candidates themselves they use a majority of their money on essentially propaganda by by mailing, you know they how they they have those like grades for different politicians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So their fan their their members are like intense fans. So they mail these voter guides with the grades to oh. all their members, and that's oh. essentially how they like get their candidates to be. And it works for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they also spend their money on advertising more than the candidates themselves. So as we know, guns are obviously a big issue, and they are just funneling money into that. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is healthcare, insurance, and big pharma. So big pharma is the biggest spender on lobbying. Last last year they spent $240 million on lobbying and $2.5 billion over the past decade. Uh, the insurance industry was second, and 60% of the insurance industry's money went to 60%, 60% of it went to Republican candidates in 2016. Um, there are only three U.S. senators who have not taken money from pharmaceutical companies. I don't know who they are. <laughs> How many? Three oh. out of 100. Oh. So. I gave Cory Booker shit for it the other day, and I guess he's not he's alone. He's one of the many. Yeah. Um, but, but, like, he still shouldn't do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> like, he can't be, like, out here putting out all these little viral videos, trying to flirt with Mindy Kaling on Twitter, and it's like, you took money from Big Pharma. Yeah. <laughs> Mindy Kaling should not go out with him unless he gives the money back. <laughs> Maybe I mean, he's the father of the baby. <gasps> oh, my God. And the That's another know. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Conspiracy podcast. I mean, okay, the reason that this is so fucked up is because healthcare costs account for 
almost 20% of America's GDP. So while these companies could be in theory, like curing you, it actually is in their best interest to continue making you sick and fucking up your healthcare system, driving premiums up, driving healthcare costs up. And that's another thing that's contributing to America's economic downfall. Um, I found a statistic that said that medical bills are the leading cause of bankruptcy in America. So all the pe- all these people who are it's really this like very vicious cycle. I mean, it makes perfect sense. I as I've said many times on the podcast, I have chronic incurable dry eye. <laughs> <laughs> I know you laugh about it, and but the, she can't see her computer. Know, yeah. And the amount of money I've had to spend just to like wet my eyeballs is like <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> like truly an insane insane amounts of money for like That's because they're driving the price up of of your of your drops yeah. or whatever it is. Six hundred dollar drops, I was told. It's in, yeah. I was quoted at six hundred dollars for a bottle of Eye drops. Insane. I said, no, I'll go blind. (laughs) Okay. Now that's $600 for you. That's like a big dent. Imagine these people who have like cancer. Yes. You have these companies who are like, you know what? Fuck it. This is the price. We'll bankrupt these people. Create, which essentially feeds the economic inequality because, you know, Mm -hmm. all these people are poor and, you know, they're, and in a lot of cases, let's say like coal, let's say mining, take mining as an industry. Yes. These people are getting sick from their job. Then the Cokes are essentially funneling money so that these jobs will continue, even though our country is not, should not be running on, on coal energy anymore. So it's really that like all these policies and all this money is going towards benefiting like six people. Yeah. Gosh, this is so fucked up. I know. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So this economic inequality is like kind of ground zero for, for why the policies have like played out how they are. Yes. Yeah. And I think that kind of leads us into our next topic. Yes. Which is my topic, <laughs> <laughs> which is the courts. Um, cool. So this, <laughs> so, cool. so great. Um, so guys, I want you guys to, we're, we're going to go in a, a little time machine. We're going to go back in time. We're going to go back in time to the year 2010. If you guys can remember where you oh, were. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was I, in college. I was in, also in college. I was graduating high school. Oh my what? God, Brian, yeah. a baby. <laughs> I was in my sophomore year of college and the Supreme Court decided in Citizens United that corporations are people. True. Um, so I have a single member LLC, so I'm technically... <laughs> Are you a corporation? You're a double yeah, people. I'm a double people. And that's kind of the first thing. So in this decision, basically, they decided that corporations are allowed to give as much money, do as much political activism as they want because they count as people. The problem with this is that, you know, corporations are like we're supposed to have this system of like one man, one vote. That's the thought. But if that man owns a corporation, now he's got two votes. He's got infinite votes. He's got votes for every single dollar that he can put towards everyone. It kind of like is this fundamental shift in our system, which goes back to everything that Sammy was talking about, about all these people who are in their 0.001%. And now basically every single dollar that they have in the bank counts as a vote. Yeah, and it's and because these people have so much 
so much more money than everyone else. Like for us to, to donate to a candidate would like make a dent in our wallet. Yes. yes. These people have like full on budgets, like probably the most, the thing they spend most on is buying policies. Exactly. Like I donated truly $10 to Julia Salazar's account, like a <laughs> uh, uh, campaign for state Senate. And that's like what I have to get. Yeah. And then yeah. you can think about like these massive corporations, these massive people who just have sort of like an infinite ability to push their agenda and there's no check on that because of this Supreme Court decision. Especially once they've achieved something in their agenda because then the thing that they that they get, they get what they want and then basically that policy enables them to become richer. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's the whole point of and you know it's just so cute because I remember there was this one there was during the 2016 campaign one of the rallying cries for us was like Hillary was like we're gonna get Citizens United overturned and now it's like that's never happening. That's not. I mean, that's so far away from happening, and we like have to protect Roe and yeah. like all of these things. So here, here's the deal: the Supreme Court was sort of supposed to be this very like lofty outside of politics thing when it was first put together. It was designed in such a way that, like, yes, presidents nominated Supreme Court justices. They had to be confirmed by the Senate, and they had to be confirmed by sixty votes in the Senate. So that was by design supposed to make it so that. Presidents have to put forward someone who can get 60 votes, someone who spans party lines. Obviously, presidents appoint people who are more in line with their own political views. But the point was kind of like you can't put an insane ideologue on the court. Obviously, people who were insane ideologues did get onto the court. We've Mm -hmm. got your Antolin and Scalia's. We've got your Clarence Thomas's. Clarence Thomas, whose claim to fame is that he never asks any questions (laughs) and never speaks. (laughs) And also also sexually sexually harassed someone and put his pubes on a Coke can. That's what I know him best for, honestly. I love having your claim to fame be putting your pubes on a Coke can, which is also a fucking bizarre thing to do. I know. It's such a weird sexual harassment <laughs> move like I don't understand I just like I, we've talked about this before I just don't understand how the fuck he's still there like how do we kick someone off the Supreme Court can you, you? can't it's basically like a full impeachment process yeah. maybe that's why he never says anything like he would not fly today and I didn't put I didn't put he, this he might yeah <laughs> I mean true, might. Donald Trump is president yeah. yeah but um I didn't I didn't write this down but it's like it's essentially never happened. Like we, ha- I, I, we maybe have impeached like one Supreme Court justice, but it it really doesn't happen. They either leave or they die. Like well, so, something else that's interesting, and this isn't necess- this isn't necessarily a function of like corruption, but Supreme Court ter- that I, I came across this stat when I was researching Supreme Court terms, like when the founding fathers had them, they were like eight years. People mm-hmm. lived like lived less long. Yes, yes. it was just like shorter. Around like the 1900s, they were like 20 to 30 year terms. And now the people who Trump is appointing are like, we're looking at 40, 50 year terms. Yes. Which yeah. is like not, I mean, these people call themselves originalists. Yes. This is obviously not what was originally intended. No, so, not at all. And they've, and honestly, like a lot of these conservative judges has like successfully branded themselves as originalists, but they're just as activist as anybody else. Like yeah. overturning Roe v. Wade would be an activist move. Deciding that corporations are human people, that is not 
constitutional originalism. That is an activist move. So kind of like what I wanted to focus on, because there's really so much is like, how did we get to this sort of insanely politicized court that we have now? Because it kind of the court and like the system is sort of this like yesteryear idea of like. And then we'll also have people. Yeah, we'll also have this branch of government that's like above it all. Mm -hmm. But as politics are getting more and more polarized, tribal, we start seeing more and more times where Supreme Court justices are not making it through. There was a Reagan nomination. Bork. Bork, Bork. Bork, which is actually how we got Anthony Kennedy. Bork was considered too conservative, too crazy. He didn't make it through the Senate. Reagan... Uh, tried to suggest someone else who had a marijuana related scandal and then third choice Brian's like why do we have him? I know he was vaping during the (laughs) during his hearing (laughs) and everyone was like you're vaping (laughs) why are you doing that yeah yeah, exactly and then but like people didn't get that it was a jewel so (laughs) he wasn't (laughs) he wasn't allowed I feel like like when half these people were appointed you could like straight up smoke a cigarette oh they probably were smoking cigarettes literally yeah so well, then we that's actually how talked about like smoking a cigarette into the microphone. Into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so then that's how we get to got to Anthony Kennedy, who famously <clears throat> was like this swing vote. Originally, like there were two choices before Kennedy that would have been more conservative, but he was like Reagan's <clears throat> third choice, and he gets through. There was also, um, and I, I I didn't write down his name, but there was a Bush nominee who didn't make it Harry through Myers. because he she was like. I don't remember the reason. There, there was like a Bush like nominee her. who like everyone was like, this person is too silly. They didn't want <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Harriet Myers. Well, her name was Harriet, so that's one way to um, <laughs> So anyway, things start getting more politicized. We start seeing more Supreme Court nominees being voted down. You have to think about that like, Scalia got 90 votes in the Senate when mm-hmm. he was like, like people in general not actually supporting the president's nominee wasn't a thing. Like they would have to be pretty extraordinarily unqualified and bad. Shout out to George W. Bush for actually <laughs> appointing someone that bad. <laughs> I think back on her, I think she must have had like a specific mistake. Or I remember yeah. actually what I remember of it is that the quest they, they get like a questionnaire and I think she was like she literally was like IDK to like answer like she oh. couldn't answer a lot of the things on her questionnaire. Anyway, fast forward to 2008. America famously elects a black person to become president, and everybody just freaks the fuck out. Racist, freak the fuck out. yeah, racist, yeah, freaks the fuck out. So, so okay, just like opinion poll. Do you think that more than half the country is racist? And by um, racist, I mean they're willing to like vote. I don't mean like they have racist thoughts. I mean, yeah. they, I mean, cause I would say like they're willing definitely to more than half have racist yeah. thoughts. Okay. Yeah. I mean, people, I mean, what I'm asking is what percentage do you think are willing to like act on their racism, whether like it means like, voting. Like, oh, I, I don't care if I like this person's policies more. I'm just not gonna vote for them cause they're black or they're able to delude themselves that it's about able. Them. If yeah. there's, if it's subconscious, I think more than half. Yeah. yeah. If it's conscious, I think 
You know, like, you know, like, like all those people that are like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. But so many people will be like, I'm not racist, but, but and then they say something racist. Like, okay. Well, it, that's a racist statement. Like if right. you have to start a statement with saying I'm not racist, like I've personally never had to say I'm not racist before saying but, something else. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I, right. I, I, there's probably a lot more people who are subconsciously racist. Yeah. I think the think subconscious, like internal stuff and also I think it depends on who you're talking about like yeah. what different well, I mean, group I, I feel like I mean any group that's not like like what being racist I would consider to be like anti anything that is not like white or yeah. yes. if, well, I mean, for a if, white person if we look at like what happened in Charlottesville last year it's like you there can there were many people there on were, good sides yeah <laughs> there, yeah, there yeah, are there good were, people on many sides yeah. but you, you know what I mean like you could see that like people are like this is they 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 don't actually think it's about race, but what they are doing is actually racist. Yeah. Like they don't realize they're racist. There's a lot of cognitive dissonance yeah. that is happening. They're, they're not very self aware. Yeah, is no. what it is. Yes, and also like education. you don't want because we're in a place in society. Obviously, progress isn't exactly where we want it to be, but we are in a place where like it's bad to be racist. Yeah, which like when our grandparents were growing up, when our parents were growing up, like that wasn't necessarily the case. So now there are all these like mental backflips that people have to do to like couch their racist beliefs in non-racism. And obviously all of this was inflamed in 2008 in a major way. Barack Obama gets elected. Then minority leader Mitch McConnell says that the Republican Party's main goal at that point is to make sure that Barack Obama is a one-term president. That's what he says the party's goal is, which is insane because the party's goal should be to enrich the United States based on like the ideals that they think, like push the policies that you think are going to make the U.S. But yes, Mitch McConnell comes out and he says specifically the Republican Party's goal at this moment is to make Barack Obama a one-term president. So a policy starts going into place where they basically start obstructing every court nominee because Republicans in general have just been better at playing the long game with the courts. They're better at the long game in general. They have seen the value of the courts for just what it actually is, which is like a 50 year commitment, that kind of thing. So the, so there's, um, there's a a society called the federalist society. Yeah. Um, and so this, I actually, yes. So Sammy has some info on I actually did the research on this as a weird transition between my section and Elise's, but they, the, the conservative legal group of people has been like playing this intense long game where they essentially built something called the Federalist Society. It started 23 years ago by conservative students who felt like liberals on campuses were like hurting their feelings and mm-hmm. shit. Robert uh-huh. Bork and Anson and Scalia were actually some of the earliest advisors of the of this group. Mm-hmm. But what it eventually became was this like pipeline of conservative legal talent yes. um, that they are all sort of like in line with how they like view the way to interpret the constitution originalism. They're in line with how you like write legal texts. And this is basically where the Republicans get their court. Yeah. They wrote the 25, the list of 25 judges that Trump put out during the election came from them. So they all had like the federalist society stamp. Yeah. And they, they basically they'll, they'll, they are very, they're small, but they're very united on like every Republican cause. Mm -hmm. So they basically will like, 
so this is so they have like an organization they have like a talent pool that they're that they're calling from mm-hmm. and a strategy when it comes to the courts the democrats don't really have like oh we we got to get these like young amazing liberals yes. like these are the people we need to get on the court mm-hmm. these people have like they have a strategy they have a plan they've had this plan for a long time and this is the only type of person who will be like given the seal of approval by a Republican to appoint to a court. And this doesn't just mean the Supreme Court. It also means, like, the lower federal courts. Yes. So they're really fucking you everywhere. Yes. And so, basically, the Republicans start blocking all of Obama's court nominees, lower courts, whatever. They just will not give the 60 votes because they don't want him to appoint anyone to the courts. So this brings us to 2013 when Democrats were in charge of the Senate, TBT, <laughs> and Harry Reid was majority leader. So Harry Reid, at that point in 2013, enacts the nuclear option for lower court nominees. He says, you know what? We're moving the threshold from 60 votes to 51 because we, we can't. We can't deal with this anymore. Um, so it changed the votes from the supermajority to just a regular majority. Um, and the immediate reason was the confirmation of three picks by Obama to the U.S. Appeals Court for D.C. that were just being blocked. Um, kind of, I mean, for no reason. I mean, they, the people who were blocking it, had a reason. They don't want any liberal justices and they don't want Obama to like get anything done. But it wasn't like a legitimate reason by the standards of blocking Supreme Court nominees in the past. On this day, when Harry Reid did this, Mitch McConnell said, it's a sad day in the history of the Senate, uh, and he called the move a power grab. Um, And this was sort of like, these... Like, the the seeds were sown, like, over 25 years ago. Um, Like, these partisan battles started happening. Um... Democrats had attempted... uh, Oh, okay. I'm going to read this quote. Democrats said the attempted filibusters of Chuck Hagel during his confirmation hearing to become defense secretary. So this was also like going just to like any nominees and appointments. Uh, This was the first for any time anyone tried to lead the Pentagon. They blocked picks to lead the National Labor Relations Board and the Consumer Financial Protections Bureau. So they were just blocking kind of everything. Um... On the day that Harry Reid did this, Obama told reporters uh, at the White House that Republicans had termed nomination fights into reckless and relentless tool to grind the gears of government to a halt and noted that neither party has been blameless in these tactics. So anyway, um, after these changes were made, Harry Reid and his leadership team held a victory party with liberal activists in a room off the Senate floor. That reminds me of when like uh, the House Republicans like passed like the first like Obamacare repeal and they like had all that like Bud Light come into the the 30 year if I remember about that. They like Like, a little frat party celebrated and Trump had the whole like thing. It's like that's probably a little bit too much too soon. I know. And so um, uh, Mitch McConnell uh, very fortuitously because you can say a lot of things about Mitch McConnell, but the man is lucky. He, he's lucky and he is smart. He's, smart, he's not yeah. an idiot. He's an evil genius. So similar to Dr. Evil. I don't the, like to admit the people I hate are smart. I know. I know. It really I know. Well, it's like the, the, the thing that we can comfort ourselves with is that we can say Donald Trump is an actual idiot. Yeah. He's actually very stupid. He has a level of emotional intelligence though. 
that he's able to captivate people. It's he really knows how people else. work in a way, but he's like on, on paper stupid. Yes. He doesn't know how to spell collusion. He doesn't know how to spell collusion, but he like, says it he's all like time. book stupid. But he's like he understands human um, like evilness at yes. such a deep level that he's yes. very effective. Um, so speaking of human <laughs> evilness, uh, on the day that this went down, Mitch McConnell. Uh, turned to Democrats. So this is the day Harry Reid enacted the nuclear option. And he told them that most of them had never served in the majority. uh, Or he was like, you guys have been in the majority for a long time. You've never served in the minority. And then he said, the solution to this problem is at the ballot box. We look forward to a great election in 2014. 2014 comes around. Republicans crush Democrats in the midterms. It was like... A bloodbath. It was was quite bad. Now Mitch McConnell is in charge of the Senate. He famously blocks Merrick Garland. That's allowed to happen. Um, Basically saying like, oh, we can't nominate anyone in an election year. It wasn't even really an election year at that point. Like, it was still so far out from the election. But... He took the power, and Mitch McConnell did not forget about this loss of the supermajority. He, this man, holds a grudge. This man is like still pissed about the Civil he War. Keeps so, under like, his turtle shell. yes, he keeps all his little grudges under his turtle shell, exactly. Uh-huh. And he retreats into it, and he looks at them, and he's like, "We will avenge this. We will avenge this." So, <laughs> like a chalkboard in there, like, and yes. he girls like army of skin. Exactly, yeah. and he, yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. And he just like crosses it off. So finally, in April of. 2017 looking Trump has nominated Gorsuch they're looking at obvious came from the Federalist Society Gorsuch all of yeah all of Trump's nominees are coming from the Federalist Society so it's basically looking at you know it was not a super majority was going to be impossible for Trump's nominee like like Republicans have the Senate but as we all know not by that much I mean we're at 5149 right now like it's they weren't going to get anybody confirmed so, yeah. McConnell enacts the nuclear option for the Supreme Court. Uh, despite all the things he said about do the nuclear option just a couple years earlier, obviously we know that Mitch McConnell is not holding himself to any kind of standard. No. <laughs> um, I feel like when we're at a place where the nuclear option is no longer the nuclear option, yes. it, that should just hold everyone something. But it yeah. didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I feel like the fact that it's called the nuclear option should be a red flag. Right, like, yeah. What like, comes after that? Yeah. What the truly dead option? Yeah. Like, <laughs> truly. So on that day, he was talking about this is him talking about uh, blocking Gorsuch's nomination. He says, our Democrat colleagues have done something today that is unprecedented in the history of the Senate. Um, no, you did it three years ago for like less. Unfortunately, it has brought us to this point. We need to restore the norms and traditions of the Senate and get past this unprecedented partisan filibuster. Reminder that they were filibustering literally every single one of Obama's lower court nominees. Oh God, he makes me so angry. We will not allow their latest unprecedented act on judicial nominations to take hold. This will be the first and last partisan filibuster of a Supreme Court nomination. And that is how we got to 50 votes. So is the filibuster like over? Like totally? 
It seems Forever? like it's over for these nominations. Yeah. Like, I don't really understand. I, I think they can still filibuster legislation. Okay. But, um, yeah, it seems like for court nominations, it's over. So something I've heard about Mitch McConnell is that he's just like a savant when it comes to the Senate, to the rules. Yes. Why can't we have one of those people? <laughs> like, that would be one? great. If any of you guys are listening to this and you're like, I just want to really become a senator and learn like the intricacies of the rules of the Senate, please do that. Yeah, please do it this year. Um, <laughs> that would be great. And now I'm going to kick it over to Brian, who's oh, going to talk about another insidious part of what's been going on. A part a part yes. three of the Republicans' plan to take over. Well, yeah. So, I mean, we're going back in time again, but not as... I guess we're going back to 2010. Yeah. yeah the 2010 election. Well, again, I'm yeah. a sophomore in college. I didn't realize 2010 was like... I didn't even know this was happening. Well, I was I like mean, drunk off my ass uh, all yeah, year. Yeah, I know, right? Well, it's because like, I feel like people didn't pay attention to midterms, especially Democrats. I feel yeah. like consistently um, Democrats aren't as good at showing up for midterm elections as they are for presidential elections. And that's not just for like the voters. It's even the way we pay attention to our elections, like our, the Demo- the DNC as a whole. They, they, they always focus on the presidential elections and whereas the Republicans are like we said will play the long term game yeah. and they understand that other things are important so I guess racism is really motivating yeah and like we don't have something like that to motivate us like we don't have that deep hatred of people who don't look like us to yeah. motivate us to yeah. get us to the polls I mean fear is really motivating and maybe we're going to see, yeah. I do feel like in 2018, our fear might motivate right. us to the polls. Oh, like our I fear of the is. future. Maybe like the conservatives are the party of fear and the Democrats are the party of love. And it's basically oh. like Harry Potter. Of hope and change. <laughs> I know. Everything is like Harry Potter. Is ba- Harry Potter is my religion. Yes. Um, <laughs> I feel like that could become a religion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I mean, like it's basically what I mean, Scientology, Scientology is. Did. Yeah. Um, All the Democrats have to do is become the master of death. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I can't have the resurrection yeah. Resurrect Barack Obama's president. So we kind of touched upon this earlier when I was talking about how historically populist movements in the United States like are, are around the world are in response to economic hardship. So in around like 2009, uh, like February 2009, like we're just like Barack Obama is like just elected um, uh, you know, we all remember Sarah Palin. She lost mm-hmm. as vice president. Mm-hmm. And that's when sort of like the Tea Party started to come around. Yes. And the, so the big motivating factor for the Tea Party was, you know, um, this economic hardship. They wanted like less taxes and stuff. And then also they were racist. <laughs> Shocker. Like this is like when like everyone was talking about birtherism. It was like a, a huge recruiting tool. People were calling him like... They thought he was a secretly monkey. a Muslim. Like they considered him a socialist, mm-hmm. and yeah, people were calling him monkey. Like, and one of these people actually who came along with the Tea Party is our current Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo. That's oh. when he was nominated. That's when he was elected to that. Congress in oh. 2010. Gorgeous. And I didn't know that. Yeah, his Twitter account like at the time now. tweeted a blog post that called him an e- uh, called Obama an evil Muslim terrorist. Oh so the seeds of the Tea Party planted are still here today. However, we do there's a lot less Tea Party people than there was in 2000. 
2010 when because now they're MAGA people yeah, yeah they're MAGA they're MAGA people and the like, House Freedom Caucus yeah, is like it, all the Tea yeah, Party so like people Ted Cruz Rand Paul kind of came up with the Jesus. Tea Party um, and it, it reshaped the Republican Party. The Republican Party was always conservative, but they weren't as like conspiracy crazy yes. like and like the Republicans they were though like you yeah. don't just become like that well the thing is unless it's you become like, senile they realized that they were starting to get primaried out of the tea part by the tea party mm-hmm. And so they were starting to shift their policies based on that. So we actually have like a more like crazy like Republican Party and conspiracy theorist Republican Party than we did in 2006, Mm -hmm. 2004, Mm -hmm. which is kind of crazy to think about because, you know, but it is a pendulum. Like as things become more liberal, things will also become more conservative. Mm -hmm. I just want to like speak to that economic hardship piece that you were saying, like motivated people to follow the tea party and blame Obama. I mean, take the racism factor out of it because we all know that that's a very real thing, but okay. So these people like, this is what I, I don't understand about like most of America and like how their understanding of how economics works. So it's like they blame Obama for the fact that he wasn't able to like fix the economic situation yeah. in his first like two, one to two yeah. years in office. They did, yeah. They, they didn't like yeah. the way that he was spending money to bail out the banks right. and yeah. the so financial So they blame place. him for that in yeah. like 2009. It's like, what the fuck was he supposed Meanwhile, to do? Meanwhile, Trump gets elected and the stock market's doing well and everyone is like, oh, Trump fixed this from no. Obama. It's like he's reaping the benefits of Obama. Yeah, exactly. They don't people don't understand that. It's like it takes a little bit for like economic. It's not just like one day you're up and then the next day you're down. I feel like everyone forgets the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, like the thing that he passed to save the economy that like part of it was tax cuts. Part of it was this huge investment. I remember at the time, like you would see on the side of highways, like signs that said like, this highway was paid for the BOA, the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act. And it was actually like one of the biggest economic packages since like the fucking New Deal. And I feel like the Obama administration didn't like, they didn't tout, they didn't tout it as much. They were like very low key about it. And it's actually like this enormous piece of legislation that saved the country. And they just were like, honestly like too humble about it like they should have been out there every day being like this 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 all happened because of us all people heard about was like the bailouts of the banks and they didn't like understand the other parts of that bill that literally saved our entire economy that's because the Obama administration is full of scholars and not bullshit self promoters like our current president Democrats are really good at like um, governing but they're not great at running. Yes. And it's the opposite for Republicans. Republicans yes. are great at running, but they're terrible at governing. Do you, want, do you have to watch Sasha Baron Cohen's new show? It's no, because they'll believe started. fucking anything. Yeah. yeah. They, have, you have yeah. to watch it. Yeah. Um, so basically at the same time as this, you know, uh, there's a fuck ton of gerrymandering going on. And gerrymandering originally started in 1812 because Governor Elbridge... Jerry um, uh, gerrymandered uh, Massachusetts for his um, party and that's where it come that's where the term comes from it wasn't a guy named Jerry it was a guy's last name named Jerry Fucking- Elbridge. Yeah, and so, um, like we said, and I love that his first name is Elbridge and his last name is Jerry. Yeah, we're like, like Elbridging. We could be calling I it Elbridging. Mixed up the comma and the hospital. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so. 
like I said, um, Republicans are, will focus on the small races, whereas Democrats will focus on the big ones. And during the time when we're all just like really thinking about Obama and becoming president, the Republicans and the GOP and the GOP donors were pouring money into state legislator races and governor races. And so because if you controlled the state legislator, um, the assembly and the gov- if you have a Republican governor or whoever, they are the one who creates the districts. Mm-hmm. And so um, that is like a big thing why like Republicans will still be in Congress. Like, for example, in like 2014, Democrats in PA like won 44% of the vote, but they only ended up getting five out of 18 House seats because the districts are so disproportionately placed and they will like they will like group like basically they'll go down to the alleyway and just to try and put like their opponents in the smallest pocket possible and then they will spread out so they can get as many white conservative voters in as many districts as possible mm-hmm. so they just will control it so from 2012 to How 2016 can they then say they're not racist <laughs> i know it's i mean it's, it's crazy it's, uh, from 2012 to 2016 the gop won 13 of uh, Pennsylvania's 18 congressional seats in Ohio. The party consistently won 12 of 16 congressional seats, but it only gained 50% of the vote. And then in Wisconsin, they won at least 60 of 99 state assembly seats with about half of the popular vote. And that's because we were all, the Democrats were just focused on getting Obama reelected and not really paying attention to what is going on. And I think a lot of us felt like, Oh, like, we got Obama. Like, everything is yes. done now. We did it. He's in office. Like, we were just, like, so kind of, like, enamored with him and our victory in 2008 that we, like, forgot how this country actually works. Yeah. And we forgot, like... Well, local elections are really important. I think we do forget that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, because they are the actually the ones who are affecting most of what happens day to day. Yeah. You know, because like the president is the one who's deciding like, um, you know, like shit internationally right. and like and the president's war famous. And, the president's yeah. like a celebrity. Like yeah. he's not worried about like every small district and every county of the United States. Like yeah. he can't pay attention to that. And so the GOP and like all the donors just keep pouring money into it. However, there is some like good news because it's, it's kind of like Oh, here's another statistic that I think is crazy. In 2012, Democrats received 1.1 million more votes in the midterm elections, but the GOP sent 33 more members to the house. How is that How? possible? Because of gerrymandering. I need to like write that on, I need to like carve that into. <laughs> yeah. No Lee Tate best artist, like, Carver Dora. I'm like, that's like, like they that, did that. I think that like clearly <laughs> shows. received 1.1 million more votes. It really shows how fucked up it is. And you know, we do a census every 10 years and that's when the maps are redrawn and it happened in 2010. Yeah. So that was a huge thing too, is that they won in a census year when they could yeah. like really redo everything. I mean, I remember this election a lot uh, because I was living in Delaware. And I don't know if you guys remember, but Delaware had that crazy Senate candidate, Christine O'Donnell. I'm not a witch. Yeah. And she was like so ridiculous that it, and it was actually kind of this crazy thing because like she primaried this guy, Mike Castle, who was like a very moderate Republican who'd been in the house for Delaware's 
for forever. She primaried him as a Tea Party person and won and then actually lost her Senate seat to a Democrat, which I think would have gone to Mike Castle would have won that Senate seat if he hadn't been primaried. But instead, we got Chris Coons because Christine O'Donnell was so crazy. And she said, I'm not a witch. And (laughs) an article came out. That was crazy. Remember when Michelle Bachman was a person, too? And then you would Google Michelle Bachman and dildos would come up. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Oh, and that was when Dan Savage did the Rick Santorum thing yeah. where he redefined his name as. Oh, guys, these things were so cute. Like, <laughs> I, know. I know. we were, like, they were just like, seemed like fun antics. Remember when we thought Michelle Bachman was the worst thing yeah. ever? Like, yeah, and everyone, um, was, and everyone was like, her husband's obviously gay. Yeah. <laughs> like, so. Wasn't he like a. Did they, wasn't it proven that he like went to like gay camp? He, I think he went to. Maybe did a gay conversion therapy, gay conversion which is therapy. very That's sad. That's what it's called. Um, gay, yeah, camp. gay camp is yeah. different. Gay camp is where I go every weekend in Fire Island. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds yes. a little bit more fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's really where they, that's what conversion therapy should be. It's someone yeah. who doesn't accept that they're gay. They start to accept it. Yeah, then yeah. they go to like yeah. a fun gay camp oh, and they like, like start oh. it, guys. Oh my God. I actually do love that. I feel like you start it for people who like come from homes where it's not acceptable yeah. to be gay. Yeah, and it's then like, they get to go to get yeah Yeah, that is great brian next business yeah right i'm actually leaving the company right now to start 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 gay camp but um so we are actually starting to do something about it like the supreme court recently just um had a court case i guess you would call it yeah <laughs> about the the districts in pennsylvania and saying it was unconstitutional so those are actually getting redrawn and they're there and democrats do it too they did it how in did maryland supreme, how did we get that with this supreme court uh just, it wasn't this one yeah well with oh it was recent though yeah it was semi but right, it was, was it? Because, well kennedy was on that one yeah and it would have been I guess Gorsuch was on it. Yeah, it was pretty recent. But well, Gorsuch replaced who would have been a conservative, so yes. maybe Kennedy just went with yes. the right side. Yes. Well, so, um, and now Democrats are actually starting to do something about it. It's mm-hmm. because if you remember just in like last November, Virginia, the Democratic candidate won because we ended up being like, oh shit, we need to pay attention to this because Virginia yeah. is another place oh, where gerrymandering guy. is an issue. And Yes. I will say that so I'm from Virginia and my high school I'm from everywhere yeah (laughs) I know well I went to school in Delaware I'm from Virginia and (laughs) Virginia like my high school the district that my high school was in made no sense like there were two high schools closer to my neighborhood to go to but I went to a high school that was literally 30 minutes away Mm -hmm. and it was all rooted in like way back in the day when they were like ordered to desegregate schools they were like okay we'll quote unquote desegregate but we'll draw the districts in such a way that like only like black people go to these schools and white people go to these schools so my high school it was like if you look at the district it kind of it honestly looks like the state of Florida like it's like everything (laughs) close to the high school and then just like this big loop that includes like my white ass neighborhood that I was from yeah and then everything around it so I'm seeing another anecdote um, from America's racist history yeah Mm -hmm. so I'm seeing now that it was uh, the Pennsylvania it was the Pennsylvania Supreme Court in January struck down the congressional map that the state Republicans had drawn so it was the Pennsylvania Supreme Court saying mm-hmm. that was too partisan and that it violated the state constitution. And so ahead of the map drawing process, um, once the 2020 consensus, uh, census comes out, Democrats are investing millions of dollars into local races. So 
we're trying to fix the problem mm -hmm. and you know it's just we should just everything should always be fair yeah <laughs> like, you know, i know it's, it's hard it's to say it's almost like life isn't fucking fair yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like weird to say that it's that easy but it kind of is just things should be on an yeah deal. like i don't want us to gerrymander i don't want anybody like no. i just want the elections right. to be like real elections and i feel like we can like meet these people on a fair court and like win yeah. or whatever like, but i feel like we should have a reset yeah know? like literally a complete reset of all the districts and it i i don't understand how this is even like a thing you yeah. know that like the party well, in power gets to set well, the it's just crazy that you know like it, it's it kind of goes to like also the electoral college is that the can it doesn't matter if the candidate is more popular because or you know the party is more popular because it because of these these fucking stupid laws yeah. right and it, it is something that i have to remind myself like even like Hillary did get 3 million more votes because yeah. sometimes I'm like I can't believe we did this this is who we are and I'm like well it isn't really the majority of who we are it's because of like this crazy fluke in the system that this happened and a lot of people did and vote you know, for him we're but gonna get more into that in our next wait, episode but remember this mm -hmm. morning when Donald Trump said that because of the electoral system the Democrats have an advantage I just wanted I literally screamed to my television then why the fuck have there been two presidents elected in the past 20 years who have lost the popular vote yes and there were Republicans. And both yeah. of them are Republicans. Like, I was going insane when I heard him this morning. Um, so a lot of this Tea Party stuff that Brian is talking about will lead us into our next topic, but that topic is for the next episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which comes out on Thursday. Which comes out yeah. on Thursday. We're going to put a little pause here. We're going to Still be on vacation. We're gonna still be on, on vacation. vacation. We'll probably make another drink. Yeah, we'll probably us in the studio <laughs> will probably make another drink. I was just thinking that. Um, and we will be back in your feeds on Thursday with part two of this episode, which I will be kicking off talking about the culture war. Be on the edge of your seats. All right, guys, until the end of democracy, which I think we've seen was actually several years ago. Uh, <laughs> which was about in 2010. Which was about in 2010. Was you know, it about 2010? Hmm. Beyonce and Lady Gaga collaborated <laughs> on telephone. And we can never lose sight of that. Amazing music video. Amazing music video. <laughs> that was an amazing music video. She had the Coke bottle hair. Iconic. 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 Um, so guys, go rewatch that video. We'll be back in your feeds on Thursday until the end of democracy. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Sammy Fishbine. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And this was the Betches Sup Podcast. Bye. Batches.